what life might be like had Jesus never been born. I'm going to put this back here so I don't knock it over. We began by saying time itself would be different. We would be living only in B.C. and not A.D. We would be living before Christ only and not A.D. Last week we spent the majority of our time on the basic regard for human life. We spent a lot of time talking about how life before Christ was cheap. Life before Christ was cheap. But when Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for my sins, he taught us and he taught a whole world that life indeed was valuable again. So valuable that he would die for you. That it not only was just valuable, but your life is priceless. Your life is priceless. We talked about uh, in the Roman Colosseums and the arenas and the amphitheaters how they would have uh, gladiator fights. Death until death. And uh, the gladiators would uh, pin one another down and they would look up to Caesar and Caesar would give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And if he gave them a thumbs down, the gladiator would plunge their sword into the other slave. Also, thousands of Christians were martyred in this setting at the jeers and the shouts and the roars of the crowd. Had Jesus never been born, this may still in some form or another continue to this day. There's a story about a Christian monk named Telemachus. He lived back in the 5th century A.D., Story goes that he was in the area of a Roman amphitheater where they were having one of these gladiator fights. And he was so appalled and, and, and understand that he had been influenced by Jesus Christ. That he was so appalled that this was still going on, that Jesus had valued life and this should not be taking place. He went out into the amphitheater, into the arena, and he put himself in between the gladiators and he demanded that they stop in the name of Christ. The crowds were furious at him. They were, he was interrupting their entertainment. And they stoned him to death. But the emperor who was watching all this was so impressed that one man would die for this that from then on out, no more gladiator fights would take place. And to this day, in in a Roman Colosseum, there is a cross that stands representing the impact that Jesus has had in our society and in our culture. Had Jesus never been born, the value of human life would remain very, very low. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad? The third thing that I want to speak to you about today, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, a popular verse, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Had Jesus never been born, 
there would not nearly be the level of benevolence and mercy that we see in our society today. The church has done more to help the needy and the impoverished more than any group in history. It's the heart of Jesus that caused Mother Teresa to give her life to those in need of Calcutta, India. It's the heart of Jesus that causes the Salvation Army to work at providing shelter to someone who's lost their home in a flood. It's the heart of Jesus that causes the Red Cross to work tirelessly to gather blood in order to help someone whose life is in the balance. Everyone here this morning, Frida, everyone here who helps with the Harbor of Hope and Super Thursday in any way, shape, or form, would you stand, please? Anyone who helps at all, would you stand, please? There's, I know there's all over. There's many of you. Kevin, stand too. You help with that too. See, we can see the difference that Jesus has made even in our own church when we look at people like this who on a monthly basis give of their time and their efforts to help those in need. This is the difference that Jesus makes in our heart. I think we just can give them a round of applause this morning for just every, every month that they help. God bless you. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, had Jesus never been born, those people would not be standing. See, when you start thinking about it, the way that Jesus has impacted our culture and our society is amazing. The heart of Jesus is what caused us to take up love offerings to families in Dundee about a year and a half ago. Cindy, I believe you told me about this. There's a family who, whose home was lost in a fire. We never met them, but yet we took up a love offering for them and collected uh, several hundred dollars. And then recently... Ken and Sue Beachy. The heart of Jesus caused us to take up another love offering and caused me to go out there and to try to help them. One family we know, one family we don't know, but that's kind of what Jesus does. Changes our hearts. It's the heart of Jesus that caused us to create the Living Waters ministry here in the church, whereas this past fall we were able to help several families in the community, people that needed help two or three of which were widows. And Jesus said in James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion is this, to help the widows and the orphans and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You see, Jesus just kind of is everywhere in our society, isn't he? Back in the uh, summer, this might be a weird story, but you know I'm weird anyways. All pastors are weird, okay? It's just the way it is. Uh, back in the summer, um, I was mowing the grass on my riding lawnmower, and um, I come around a bend, and there was this, this little frog that, that was right right in front of the lawnmower. And um, if I would have kept going, I would have run over it with the tire of my tractor. If I tried to swerve out of the way, the way that I was going with the tractor, I would have run over the frog with the lawnmower. And my first thought was, oh, it's just a frog. I'm in a hurry. Let's go ahead and get this thing done. That was my first thought. But then I specifically remember almost a a voice, something inside of my head, my heart saying, wait a minute, that's a living creature. 
that's, that little thing that's hopping around, someone put life into that little thing. Don't just carelessly disregard life. So I shut the blades off and I backed up and I waited for that little thing to hop out of my way. Good ending. Aren't you happy uh, that I did that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are some animals I might not do that. No, I'm just kidding. Just joking. Where does that come from? Where does that inner sense of regard for human life come from? Why, why do we do that? Two things. I believe one, the Romans tells us that God has placed within the heart of every human being a, a sense of right and wrong. Uh, uh, of knowing what is correct and incorrect. Uh, a sense of knowing what is decent and what is right. He's placed that in the heart of every human being. Now he's given us a choice as to whether or not we will follow that voice. But I believe that's one. But number two. I believe that because Jesus has come and he has instituted compassion and mercy and benevolence and grace into our society, that that has impacted the hearts and the minds of human beings. That even something as simple as a little frog can impact us. Jesus taught us this lesson in Luke chapter 10 when he told us about the Good Samaritan. And I was reading that story again this morning. What's interesting is the two people that, that passed by the, the man who had been robbed and beaten and was lying there bleeding and dying, the two people that passed him by first were church people, were religious people. One was a priest and one was a Levite. People that should know better, but the one who didn't was a Samaritan. And I'm led to believe that the, the one who had been robbed was a Jew. And as you've heard me say, Jews and Samaritans don't get along. They don't mix. See, Jesus instituted having compassion, sympathy, and mercy for one in need. This teaching is seen and driven and forced by Matthew twenty-five forty. Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Emperor Julian, the last Roman emperor to try to stamp out Christianity, marveled at the merciful efforts of this group called Christians. This is what he wrote. It is disgraceful that when no Jew ever has to beg, an impious Christian support both their own poor and ours as well. All men see that our people lack aid from us. Even some of our mythical characters today come from the influence of Jesus Christ. Even the mythical figure of Santa Claus. He was, some of you know this. He was named after a real-life man named St. Nicholas of Myra. He lived back in Turkey in about the 4th century A.D. It is reported that St. Nicholas, around December of every year, he would give gifts to the poor kids in town. And I know we've trivialized the Santa Claus figure, embellished it to make him to be what we want it to be, but had Jesus never been born, there would be no wonderful Christmas. C.S. Lewis wrote that how sad it would be if it were always winter but never Christmas. Think about that. Not the Nat King Cole Christmas, 
but the Jesus Christ Christmas. Had Jesus never been born, benevolence and mercy and compassion would not be what it is today. Number four, literacy and education would not be what it is today. Every school, public or private, every institution, every religious or secular institution has had the fingerprint of Jesus all over it. What do I mean by that? We obviously know that today not every school, and I'll talk about what's on the screen in a second, we know that not every school today is Christian. In fact, it's far from it. But the main purpose of our original education system, church, was for Christian study. Many of the languages that were created around the world today were created by who? Missionaries. Missionaries whose heart it was to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, create the language, put it, in, put it on paper, and translate the Bible so that the masses in other countries and nations could know about Jesus Christ. Before Christ, education was just for the elite. But back in 1454, that Gutenberg Bible that you see on the screen, the Gutenberg Bible was made simply using that printing press, which wasn't simple at the time. The first movable print system. Why? To make Bibles available to the masses. Early American education. The pilgrims and the Puritans, they passed laws requiring that children were to be educated in order that they might know the Scriptures. Wow, have we gotten away from that today? Even how they learned the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E. Listen to how they taught their kids how to learn the alphabet, the letter A. The letter A stood for, in Adam's fall we all sinned. B, heaven to find the Bible to mind. C, Christ crucified for sinners died. E, Elijah hid by ravens fed. Skip to H, my book, the Bible in heart must never part. N, Noah did view the old world anew. P, Peter denied his Lord and cried. Even X, King Xerxes did die and so must I. You see how Jesus impacted every part of our society. McGuffey's first readers, McGuffey readers. William Holmes McGuffey was a Presbyterian minister. He wrote the material for the McGuffey readers. How many of you have heard of that growing up through the years? Yep, you know what I'm talking about. 1800s textbook for the elementary It was distinctly Christian. Folks, it sold over 120 million copies. Wow. 120 million copies. There's a man who wrote a biography on McGuffey. And from his research, he says that, quote, the McGuffey readers directed persons to live for salvation, for eternal life with God. McGuffey's readers read more like a theology textbook than a children's elementary school book. It's from this kind of thinking that Oxford and Cambridge, Harvard and Yale, Princeton and many others were created. Let me read you this. 
This this blew my mind, and it might blow your mind. Dartmouth. Dartmouth was founded to train missionaries to the Indians. William and Mary was created, quote, that the Christian faith might be propagated. An early advertisement for King's College, which opened in 1754 and is now Columbia University, reads this, quote, The chief thing that is aimed at in this college is to teach and engage children to know God and Jesus Christ. The president of Princeton, Reverend John Witherspoon, said this, quote, Cursed be all learning that is contrary to the cross of Christ. Amazing, isn't it? Just about all these schools are so secularized today that it's hard to picture them being founded on God's word and for the advancement of Christian faith. Yet many have buildings erected supporting Christ. Look at this this screen that I saw here. You might not be able to read that. But this is what it says. This was the founding mission statement of Harvard University. Read it. Quote, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well that the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. In 17.3, and therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. Harvard University, 16.43. Christ is everywhere. Jesus is everywhere. Had Jesus never been born, even our education system, church, would not be what it is today. It's sad to think that the main reason schools were started was to pursue an in-depth knowledge of God and salvation in Jesus Christ. Today, most of them teach just the opposite of that. But had Jesus never been born, mankind would remain in darkness of sin and ignorance. Education for the common man may have never been developed. Had Christians not had a passion to get the gospel message out, to the masses. Even our King James Bible of today, that followed a couple translations that back in England, they desperately wanted to keep the Bible out of the hands of the commoner, the common person. They did not want them to know what the Bible said because the Church of England wanted to control their life. They wanted them to obey them and follow their priests follow what they had to say but there was such a rise they did not want the latin translations to be translated or the latin verses to be translated into english because if the people in england began to get god's word they would want it for themselves even the bibles that you have in your hand today the number the scads the scores of bibles that we have in our homes it's because people wanted to know Literacy and education would not be what it is today had Jesus ever been born. New World Discovery. Christopher Columbus, and I know there's skepticism and there's disagreement and argument. Was he the very first one? That's, that's another argument. 
But even when he discovered the new world, listen to what he said about his journey. Quote, Christopher Columbus said, It was the Lord who put into my mind, and I could feel his hand upon me to sail to the Indies. All who heard of my project rejected it with laughter, ridiculing me. There is no question that the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit. Wow. Because he comforted me with rays of marvelous illumination from the Holy Scriptures. Our Lord Jesus Christ desired to perform a very obvious miracle in the voyage to the Indies. See, even the founding and the discovery of America can be traced back to Jesus Christ. Last one that I'll go over with you. Matthew twelve fifteen. Jesus and it said, In great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. He healed them all. Another part of life that would be vastly different today, church, is the healing of the sick. As we discussed in detail last week, before life, before Christ, human life was cheap. The lepers, the lame, the blind, the deaf, they were treated as outcasts. And the majority of hospitals were started with Jesus in mind. Do you realize that? The majority of hospitals today were started with Jesus in mind. Baptist hospitals, Methodist hospitals, Catholic hospitals, Lutheran and Presbyterian hospitals abound all over the world. Next time you're in a hospital... Take note of the verses that you see on the walls. Take note of the Christian morals that you see within the walls of a hospital. Before Christ, mass care of the sick was spotty at best. But in 325 A.D. at the Council of Nicaea, Constantine declared, Hospitals were to be started wherever the church was established. Florence Nightingale, driven by her Christian experience, and she said it was her divine calling, set the standard for practices in nursing. She helped found the St. Thomas Hospital. Louis Pasteur created major breakthroughs in sterilization and vaccines, was a devout believer in Jesus Christ. Jesus is everywhere. Atheist, you might not like it, but Jesus is everywhere. In 33 AD, the average lifespan, now get this, the average lifespan, 33 AD, was 28 years of age. Wow. 2013, 72 years of age. In 1931, in Quito, Ecuador, North American missionaries started a Christian radio station spreading the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. A number of years later, people from all over the area began arriving to the radio station. Why? They needed healing. Their bodies were sick. And they believed that if these people could help lead them to the source that could heal their souls, then surely these people can help heal our bodies. So in the 1950s, this radio station added that hospital right there that you see, added it to its mission. And today it's one of the chief hospitals in the entire country. 
skeptic, an agnostic, said this about us as Christians. Quote, Your agnostic is tremendously impressed by the power of your faith. He has seen drunkards and libertines and moral degenerates transfigured by it. He has seen the sick, the aged, the friendless comforted and sustained by it. And he is impressed by your wonderful charities, your asylums, your hospitals, your nurseries, your schools. And he must shamefully admit that agnostics as such have built few hospitals and few homes for orphans. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Church medicine, healing of the sick, would not be nearly as widespread and definitely not as compassionate had Jesus never come. You're tired of me saying it, but Jesus is everywhere. I've not even touched on things like Christ's impact on the founding of America. I could go into a lot of detail with that. Capitalism and free enterprise. The separation of political powers, civil liberties, the abolition of slavery, morality, modern science, the evolution of, evolution of women, the development of art and music. Our world would be unrecognizable had Jesus never been born. Don't you love the cry and laugh? Is that a cry or a laugh? I don't know what it is, but that's wonderful. <laughs> mm, that's sweet. I want to end with one more story this morning. And it's really a direction that I want to, it's a preview for next week. It's, it's, a, it's a direction that I want to go into next week. And so I, I pray you'll hear the heart behind this. Some of you may be saying, um, those are all neat facts, Pastor, and pretty interesting things, some things I never knew, but how does that apply to me? Hang on. There's a story of a minister who fell asleep one night around Christmas time. In his dream, he envisioned a world where Jesus had never been born. There were no Christmas decorations. There were no decorations in the community or in the home. There were no churches. Now think about that. No churches in this world. No steeples pointing to heaven. He came to his house and he sat down at his library and, and every book that used to have the subject of Jesus was now gone. In his dream, there was a, a knock on the front door, and he went to the front door, and there was this person telling him that someone that he knew, a, a, a poor elderly person, was dying, and they were asked. They asked this minister to go see this person. And upon arriving and encountering the family mourning, 
he sat down and said, I have something that I think is going to bring comfort to you. And he opened his Bible to go to Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 and come to me, all ye that are weary and that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But it wasn't there. So he flipped over to look for John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's, mans- for in my father's house are many mansions. But it wasn't there. For you see, when he opened up his Bible, it stopped at Malachi. There was nothing beyond Malachi. There was no gospel, no promise of salvation in Jesus Christ, no message of peace, joy, and hope, nothing to bring comfort. And all he could do was just bow his head and weep. Still in his dream, this person had passed away and he went to the grave site. But there was no message of consolation, no word of a glorious resurrection or a heavenly home to come. Only ashes to ashes and dust to dust. It's a terrible world to live in, isn't it? And he awoke to realize that it was all just a dream. And he praised God that it was just a dream. Folks, next week we're going to talk about the hope, the peace, the joy that Jesus brought. We're going to talk about the hope, the joy, the peace that would not exist if Jesus had never been born. I pray that you'll come back for that. Last week I asked you that question right there. If Jesus had never been born, you answer that for me. I received some responses from you. There are still some of you that I want to hear from. There's my phone number. You can text me or there's my email. You can email me your answer. Next week, I will unveil the answers that I have received from many of you. How would you answer that? Would you answer that personally or would you answer that? How do you think our society would be different if Jesus had never been born? I've enjoyed reading some of the responses, and I look forward to sharing that with you next week. Had Jesus never been born, I would be lost. You would be lost. I'm glad we don't have to face the reality of that question. Would you bow your heads, please? Father God, different message this morning. Lord, we realize there is no doubt, Father, we realize that our life would be vastly different. Jesus, had you never come. Jesus, where would our hope be? Where would our joy be? Where would our peace be? Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't have that hope, Lord, they can have that hope before they leave. That joy and that peace. Jesus, that's why you really came. We thank you for that. We praise you for that, Father. Lord, thank you for these truths. Thank you for how our world has been impacted. For Jesus' sake. God, we love you. 
May these things dwell in our hearts. May they dwell in our mind. And may we ponder them. Think about what life would be like had you never come. God, I believe we'll be much more thankful people. We'll be more joyful people if we think about what that may really look like. But, Lord, I thank you that we can focus on you and thank you for the realities of who you are in our life. God, we love you. We praise you. In Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We're going to continue on with our service. And um, we have a video that we want to show you at this time. Guys, if you can. So when I think about Advent, I used to think about things like snow and ripping over presents and wrapping paper and my mom's famous crepes. Because all of those things to me represented Christmas. And if you were to ask me about Jesus, I would tell you about things like he was a very special baby, born in a manger, maybe a story about three wise men, and maybe even throw in a little bit of that very special Catholic thing, Midnight Mass. But then in 2011, my perspective really started to change. Maybe Advent wasn't so much about the past. Maybe Advent was really about waiting in hopeful expectation for him to come again. And it seems that he often comes in very unexpected places. In 2011, when I was pregnant with my first child, I was diagnosed with eye cancer. And I was presented with two options, whether to undergo radiation or electively have my eye removed. Uncertain if the radiation would harm the baby, I chose to have my eye removed. As a result of this experience, I started to see the world differently. And not just because I only had one eye. I saw Jesus in a very different way. He wasn't this historical figure from the past. He really became somebody who was my hope in the future. Fast forward three months when I give birth to my baby John. This entire thing makes me look back and reflect on the birth of Jesus. We would have expected that God would have had Jesus come to us in a castle or find room for him in the inn. It's so unbelievable to think that God brings his one and only son into the world in a stable and that they lay baby Jesus in a manger. And it's not one of those mangers of like when you were a kid with your nativity set where it's a beautiful little crib with a lot of fluffy straw. It's a trough where animals feed. And I think it's just the start of how God continues to surprise us and shows us that we can find him in the most unexpected of places. For me, I found him in really unexpected places. A diagnosis, a really difficult pregnancy, what I deem to be a really unfair choice. But what about you? Maybe it's a divorce or a lost job, a struggling relationship, addiction maybe, or simply the feeling that maybe you're just not good enough. Just like the stable and the manger were really unexpected, God was there. What God's really challenging us to do is to slow down, to reflect, to pray, to be appreciative. And maybe he'll find you in your unexpected place too.